Fly, Robin, fly. It's F-15 Strike Eagle on Amigos, episode 376. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about F-15 Strike Eagle Part 2. Duh. Yeah, yeah. Now, Aaron, I know that you're not much of a flyer. We were talking about this before the show. Um, Did you ever harbor any fantasies about becoming a fighter pilot? No, no. God, no, uh, because I could get killed. But on the flip side, I did harbor many fantasies about being an astronaut. And and Mm -hmm. the uh, the majority of them were fighter pilots back in the day anyway. So I suppose the road to get to astronaut would take me through fighter pilots. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same as you. I, I don't really like. Uh, there's really nothing about being a fighter pilot that uh, that excites me. You're in a crammed space. You're experiencing lots of G's. I can barely oh, deal with. My, I can barely deal with my own G, let yeah, alone no anybody else's. And so, uh, you know, and uh, there's a significant chance that you're going to die. Yeah, you're not. You, I mean, they, they, there's not there's not a whole lot of second chances in the uh, the fighter pilot world. I, I will say, I'd rather fly. In an F-15 Strike Eagle than I would in, say, like, the plane from, like, Knights of the Sky or Wings. Yeah, that's because true. The open cockpit at, special. If you're looking at the host planes, I mean, <laughs> you hear this and they, it's, they make fun of it, but it's true. Those were literally, it's, in some cases, just, like, paper and string. It's right, so, so, right. <laughs> I, know you, I know you've been up to the Air Force Museum up yeah. in Dayton. You look yeah. at those things and you wonder how anybody ever survived. Yeah, and, uh, and a lot of those early planes, before they even had a, uh, fought in a war, they would just go out and wreck. They didn't have yeah. to be. <laughs> they didn't need to be shot down. They yeah, brought so, themselves down. You know, and, so. the, and then they had during the first world war, you had twenty minuteers because that's how long you were in the air before you get killed. Mm-hmm. So at least you had a better shot. I mean, even in World War Two, the planes had improved substantially. But now look at like the modern aircraft. I mean, it's like a UFO or something. They've got all these, uh, all these meters and gauges and screens and stuff. I think it's funny, though, as we move uh, through 2022, I think the days of proper fighter pilots are probably coming to an end because they've got the ability to use drones and whatnot in these things. So I don't I wonder how much longer they're going to bother even putting humans in these planes, Boat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we're seeing that more and more with, you know, drone based warfare and things yeah. like that. The pilot, if you can fly a plane remotely in a simulator, uh, yeah, especially a, a, some sort of a combat uh, in a combat scenario. Uh, why not? Why yeah. not do it? Now, of course, the, the downside to that is that maybe your pilots won't be quite so careful, given these things still cost a million billion dollars a piece. That's true. Let me ask you, since you know they released that the Top Gun 2 this summer mm-hmm. as we record this, which I didn't see, by the way. Uh, what's your favorite like film that has like fighter guys in it? Well, I don't know that I've seen that many. I finally watched Top Gun for the first time last year. The 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 first the original Top yeah. Gun. Um, what other movies are there that are fire, fighter pilot based? I'm Airplane? gonna go. I'm gonna go with like Hot Shots. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, at least those were funny. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I never thought Top Gun was all that great. I know people loved it. I mean, the soundtrack was okay, but uh, I don't know. It just seemed sort of I don't know, dopey or whatever mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, and the second one, they're like, it's just like the first one. I was like, well, eh, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to rush out to see it. But I know people love them, you know. Yeah, like I, I much like you, I, I harbored fantasies about being a spaceman. I didn't call them astronauts when I was a kid. Yeah. It was always spaceman. Yeah, I understand. And, uh, and I still love spaceman movies. Give me Apollo 13. Give me The Martian. I love all that stuff. So Yeah. yeah. That, you know, uh, uh, that does seem like. Uh, the ultimate end goal for any fighter pilot, but it's probably not. I don't know. What do you think scarier, going into combat in an airplane or, like, going to space? Oh, man. Well, going into space, you are relying much more on the computers, and there's lots of different systems at play. I guess in a plane, it's, it's sort of the same way. But the, the advantage is, is going into space, there's not people up there actively trying to shoot you down yeah it's a, oh, not yet anyway would not you, yet would you do one of the old captain kirks and go up in the spacex thing would you heck yeah i do, do that you, in a second you would do that mm-hmm. i figure you are you saving up to no no because i would never scan even if i was <laughs> even if i was rich i wouldn't be able to justify the cost to myself yeah i would think about all the good i could do with that money in pretty much any other way imaginable now what, <laughs> so. what if you could take yourself and the wife up then you'd do it yeah, then I'd probably do it. Because yeah. then I'd be like, I'm doing it for you, honey. Just like I bought that pinball machine for you. By the way, just uh, in closing, if I if I was going to go into war and I had a choice of pilots between you and your wife, I would pick her 10 times out of 10. Well, that is the, that's the correct answer. She's got de- dexterity and, and she's got she's tough. She, mm-hmm. she You're not that tough. And you don't no, have I'm weak guy. as water. We both sort of fall. I mean, you don't want me as your wing guy either. We'd both be killed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron, speaking of crashing and burning, let's move on to this week's Amiga News. That's great, Boats. Now, I know what you're thinking, Aaron. Mm. Where is all the Amiga OS 4 news? Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, it's here. This week, we have a story about uh, OS 4. This is our very own Level Lord, sort of uh, Amigos community superstar. Oh, yeah. Has released a, the newest version of his application, Level Pointers. Uh, these are a modern high-res set of pointer presets for Amiga OS 4.1. And uh, they are available. They are freeware. And they are available for you to use. Now, Aaron, I know that you're into your uh, directory opuses and all of your, you know, in-depth utilities on the Amiga. Did you ever mess around with having some custom pointers? Probably, you know. I mean, a lot of the stuff I used to do back in the in the uh, when the Amiga was still a, a contemporary computer, I, I don't remember. To be honest with you, I mean, I knew so much more about the Amiga then than I do now. Now it's like make game go. That's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. But yeah, I do seem to recall fooling with these. Now you say Level Lord's involved in these. Level Lord, yeah, Level Lord. Basically, he adapted these. These are loosely based on a set of pointers for Linux called the DMZ White and Quintom. Uh, that Ooh. were later licensed under Creative Commons use. So these are completely free. You can take these and you can install them. Um, and uh, yeah, this is the the newest release, was just released back on November 5th. So if you got the initial release back in October, make sure you grab the uh, the updated version of these pointers and have just the best experience possible on your uh, your OS4 device. You know, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Lord over for a minute. Because uh, when we met him, I will at, too at Boat Fest last year. Like he, he's a he's a, a as smart and as charming as he is huge. 
He's this big, like, lone ring ball of fun. And it's like a fun, ba- oh, like a fullback. That's yeah. right. And he's also, uh, he brings the heat. He knows what he's talking about. He's not just like a poser. He knows the he knows his stuff. So when you tell me that this guy's putting out pointers for Amigo as four, I believe it. So, Remember those juices he brought? Those are good drinking, boat. Oh, Everything man. he brought was good drinking. I and still he, use his wooden bowls that he uh, left there. There you go. There you go. We love the lore. It was great. To <laughs> yeah, meet we him. do. All right, Aaron. Our next story coming up here is uh, a new oh, video oh. from Chris Edwards, another friend of the show. Oh, yeah. Want a super fast Amiga, the BFG 9060 128 meg, 100 megahertz CPU. This is about 900 words that I don't understand, Aaron. So you're going to have to decode it for me. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I did watch this uh, and I couldn't help but watch it with that wacky opening with him. With the, I love the fact that he co-hosts his own show. And Boat, if, if you knew about that technology, I'd have been gone years ago. This is, <laughs> with all that said, it's time that this board here has got, I think it's got a 68060 in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, I saw a couple people tinker around with something like that this week. And, uh, uh, of course, it's the usual shtick. He puts it in and then puts it through its paces. But, man, this thing, I mean, it seemed like it went in pretty smooth by uh chris's standards you know he gives you the full scoop he runs some demos some speed stuff he prints the there's a there's a bit you've got to do it's got to print the there it is print the ball you got to print the ball (laughs) and then he tinkers with some switches and then runs this stuff again and he juices it up more so uh just another uh big piece of hardware i I, you know it seems like these aren't even that expensive yeah 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 so i'm looking up the price here it looks like the price is 300 euros yeah um and uh according to chris in the chat uh there are five left uh 10 euros of each sale go to a german charity called oh boy i'm not going to try that go for it. it's a german charity that helps ukrainian refugees so that's that's the end a little bit of your money goes to a good cause as well now you know we do have chris in the chat here i'm guessing uh, just from the video, Chris, you're giving these the enthusiastic thumbs up. They look like a pretty good piece of kit, and they're fast. Uh, now, I think you've got to go out and provide your own uh, 60, uh, 6060. Uh, they, those things ain't cheap. you got to go dig one of those up. But if you could find one, well, you hey, get, it, it's two, 250 with no CPU and 300 with the CPU. Oh, that's a, that seems like a pretty good bargain to me, but Yeah. yeah uh, so yeah. watch, if you, get, if you are interested in uh, learning about this thing, Watch Chris's video. It's called One of Super Fast Amiga, the BFG 9060-128-100-CPU. So good stuff. I enjoyed it, Boat. Yeah, yeah. And our final news story of the week, kind of a light news week this week after all of the uh, Amiga Game Jam announcements from last week. Uh, our buddy Neil, our boy Neil, RMC from yeah, the cave, he's am. back at it with part two of resurrecting and restoring some classic Amiga hard drives. Now, I know that there are people out there that uh, they want to run stuff from floppy all yeah. the time. I think our our, our, our buddy Paco Take is like that. Yeah. He's all floppy all the time. I've heard that. Ooh. So, um, but Aaron, do you have any personal nostalgia uh, about, you know, classic contemporary hard drives running games not off a compact flash or an sd card solution you only want to do it off the original spinning platters of the hard drive not especially you know i mean if i'm honest it, when you and i don't i don't hold it against anyone that wants to load stuff off tape or whatever or, or off a floppy or anything else but you know i've lived through all this stuff so to me 
every incremental update that got me further away from uh, uh, five and a quarter inch floppy drives was a good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, so listen, I, I, I used to, I remember having to smush stuff on a disc to get my startup to work and on the Amiga. And I remember having to use uh, uh, EXE compression on my PC so I could put more stuff on a floppy because I didn't have that many floppies. And I was trying to put more and more stuff on them. And I didn't have a hard job. And then when I did, I remember trying to stick more stuff on that, back stuff up the tape, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I've, I've done it all, brother. And I don't have any, I don't see any reason to go back. Uh, I would, I just, in fact, sitting right here beside me is an SFD I picked up for like a song. I got this thing for a song. It's like a 500, you know, something gig or whatever. I got it for like 20 bucks or whatever. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Uh, this stuff right here, this, uh, this other stuff, it's just to do it for me. Uh, with all yeah. that said, Neil does end up putting like, a, I think he does a compact flash gimmick on one of these or something. I watched this video, and the the one thing that kept struck struck me is why didn't he keep that original orange color for these things? That <laughs> now that's something to, to write home about. Uh, he went and uh, went and painted them and stuff, and he did get some filament that was the the proper color. I would have went with the orange because where are you going to see that? You know, uh, he also talks to a fellow that worked for Great Valley Products, uh, which was interesting. Uh, Mike the guy, Thomas. The guy had some interesting tales. Uh, including the one where the guy made the card, but they forgot to put the ROMs on there and cost the company zillions of dollars and got the boot. I like that. There he is. I like his shirt, too. Uh, I like how there was one There was one guy, his only job was make sure the ROMs are on the board. Yeah. He, this dude buried that guy, so I thought that was that was cool. GVP was sort of like the... They were sort of a pretty big deal. I mean, they were a big player back in the day. And in mm -hmm. my mind, I expected it to be this huge... You know, you always think this stuff's bigger than it is, <laughs> but the, that, they weren't nearly as big as I thought. But I enjoyed this. It was it was pretty entertaining stuff, Boat. Cool, cool. Well, as always, make sure you check out RMC. He's always got lots of cool Amigo and uh, retro computing content. You know, you know we should, before we move uh, away from the news, a couple more items we want to talk about uh, uh, that is newsworthy. Uh, as we record this, uh, our good buddy Doug uh, from 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast and his uh, partner, Kevin Saunders, uh, will be doing the live unveiling, or I don't know what you call this, the demonstration, the uh, uh, the uh, display of all the art from the art contest that has been going on for several months. Uh, this thing's going down Saturday the 12th of November, which is as we record this, is, uh, is, is tomorrow. At one thirty, it's what is it? One thirty Mountain Standard Time. Am I reading that right, Boat? That's right. One thirty Mountain. I didn't even realize that was a time zone. So I'm that's not gonna lie so to you. so that's that's what twelve thirty is that twelve thirty here uh, Listen, Eastern? Is that right? No idea. No I think idea. it's twelve thirty Eastern Standard Time, everybody. So this is a night owl sort of event. Wait a you minute. Know? One one thirty p.m. Mountain Time. That's like Arizona time. Yeah. Well, so that would Arizona? that would be like that would be like five thirty here, four thirty or five thirty p.m. There you go. Oh, so it's there in the afternoon then. He's not going to start this thing at one thirty a.m. Listen, dude, I don't know time. what D Doug acts. He does some weird stuff, but you never know. You know, some of these art things you have to do them at night. They're it's one of those fly by night uh, deals, but it's more of your kind of art. I guess it's Doug's going to see our show tag. He's going to unveil, you know, the the uh, the all the winners. And stuff, so it should be fun. Hopefully, this will be not as some of his uh, 
shows in the past have had some issues with with the streams. So hopefully this will go that hitch. But anyway, check that out. Uh, I also want to mention that if you're an, uh, an Amigos uh, Discord uh, member, uh, we are looking to do the Amigos uh, annual Christmas gift exchange. There's a Discord group ready to go. So if you haven't noticed it, you want to get in there. All you have to do is go in there, say I'm in, and uh, we will compile a list together. We'll get back with you and make that happen. And then lastly, Boat, uh, I do want to mention that a week uh, from tomorrow, which as I'm looking at the calendar here, that's a little thing we like to call Saturday, November 19th, 2022, myself and Professor Wrestling, the Hoser Tibleg, will be back in the BGW Arena for another night of hot, hot, woo, incredibly hot wrestling action with all the superstars from Battleground Wrestling should be a lot of fun, but we're going to miss you. You're going to be on assignment next week, but we'll yeah, kind of hold yeah. up here to the bargain. Unfortunately, I'll be up in Wheeling for my nephew's birthday. Yeah. Um, but I will be with you in spirit, and uh, I will make sure that you get the camera because you Thank need you. that. Yeah, yeah. It should be a lot of fun. I know the hose is excited. I'm always excited to do a little wrestling commentary. Uh, if you want to, check that out, and we'll mention it again next week, but it'll be on Twitch. As always, and that usually and uh, here's some real time follow up, just in case you were curious about that start time. Pixels of Dawn did the math. Yes, uh, it starts at three thirty p.m. Eastern. Oh, thank time God, <laughs> that's so and much better. eight thirty p.m. GMT. So that is that's three thirty p.m. for Doug's uh, uh, art contest. Check it out. That makes a lot more sense uh, than what we were first uh, assuming it was. So that's good. That's what we get coming up, boat. All right, man. Well, it's time to talk about. One of the greatest members of the Amiga community, our friend, our sponsor, Retro Rewind. He is pretty great, but Yeah. Listen, if you have a Commodore computer that needs a little love, that needs a little TLC, you got options. We live in 2022. You got options. You don't just chuck that thing in the bin. Well, sometimes I do, but most of the time you don't want to do that. What you want to do is you want to try and fix it yourself. And if you can't fix it yourself, you want to send it to somebody that can. Okay, now Retro Rewind will give you all the tools that you need to fix computers yourself, whether you need a chip puller, whether you need some new capacitors, whether you need a diagnostic cartridge. Frank over at RetroRewind.ca has got you covered. Now, what if you're in the boat where it's just like you've got a computer, it doesn't switch on and you don't know what to do? You don't feel comfortable doing the repair yourself? No problem. Just ship the whole thing up to Frank. He and his crack team of technicians will open it up. They'll tell you what's going on with it. They'll give you an estimate, and then they will repair it for you. And they will do it, and it will not break the bank. Aaron, what's your favorite thing on Retro Rewind these days? Well, you know, I'm always partial to, uh, you know, the cocoa gets so little love, Boat. And it, we both think it's a luxurious, a beautiful, gorgeous machine. I'm looking and, at mine right now. And and the one, and I can't, it can't be... Uh, it can't be uh, overstated how important it is that if you have a Coco to get you an SDC for the Coco. And Frank has SDCs in stock, ready to ship. He's a North America boat up in Canada. He gets his stuff to you quick, fast, super super speedy. 
And uh, you will be a happy boy when you pull this thing out and show it in the old Coco because then you're in, brother. Mm-hmm. You're one of the cool kids, mm-hmm. uh, and you're playing all your Coco favorites. He's also got the Kung Fu Flash uh, for the Commodore 64. I think everyone's got one of these, but if you don't got one, what are you waiting for? It's the Kung Fu freaking Flash. Get this sucker. Stick it in there. It takes care of your business on the, on the uh, C64 as well, Bode. That's right. And you can use promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout to save 10% off anything in the store. So load up your cart, use that promo code AMIGOS10 and save yourself some money and get you some goodies. Exactamundo boat. All right, Aaron, let's talk about F-15 Strike Eagle 2. Cool. Ooh, I like the love theme from F-15 Strike Eagle boat. <laughs> it's pretty good. So... You know, it's funny. When this came up, I thought, you know, I've played this game, man. I know I've played it. Uh, but I hadn't played it. I played F-15 Strike Eagle 1 on the NES, and I played Super F-15 Strike Eagle on the Super Nintendo. So you fired all around it. Well, you were there. We played that on when we <laughs> spun the wheel on the, uh, on I think it was the first or second Thanksgiving. Oh, and we picked my, okay. you were there. Remember, okay. I, I watched some of the video today, and you were like, this is the way you do it on a console. Make the first level easy. And that was ringing through my head as I began the first level of F-15 Strike Eagle 2 for the Amiga. So this uh, 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 was released uh 91, uh, came on two discs, and was ECS-OCS. Uh, of course, this was put together by the fellows over at Microprose. Uh, and developed by the MPS Labs, which is basically in-house labs for Microprose. Uh, you know who worked on this uh, boaster? A guy Sid named Freaking S- Meyer. That's right, dude. That's right. Uh, and it was he co-designed it with a fellow named Andy Hollis. Nobody uh, cares about him. This was hey, listen, what he's, oh, oh man, you don't want this guy on you. <laughs> uh, uh, coded by Adrian uh, Scottney and Tim Walter, and the graphics were done by uh, Scottney Walter and Mark Scott. And the music we just There's heard, a lot of Scots in there. Great Scott. The music we just heard was from Dave Lowe. I like his, his uh in his bio here, his his nickname was Uncle Art. I like that. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know why that is. Uh this got passed around boat uh and appeared on uh such luminary systems as the Tandy PC and Tandy PC slash IBM PC Junior. That's right, 16 color graphics. Uh, this may be appearing on uh, Find a Tandy at some point. Sharp X68000, the uh, Mega Drive slash Genesis, the old DOS, of course, the NEC PC98, and our good buddy, the Atari ST. Mm. Got uh, this one as well, Boat. I, I should ask before we get too deep in is this one you never picked up in the past? I had to remind, you know, when I fired it up, I had to see if it looked familiar because all of these, these are kind of like sports games. They're all named after planes and they all, because of that, they all run together for me. Right. Name right. a game like Wings. I remember Wings. Yeah. But like F-17, Interceptor, F-19, F-15. Yeah. 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 yeah you got so tons of these things. I understand why they did it because if you are a flight sim geek, then you enjoy being able to pilot all these different crafts, but they do all run together in my head. I have no recollection of playing this at Thanksgiving. So I'm glad that I buried well, the computer well, we versions did, when we I did. We didn't play this one. Again, we oh. played Super Strike, uh, F-50 Strike. You know, I want to say, before we get too deep into this, that being an old guy like myself, I remember that F... Now, I could be wrong here, but I remember F-15 Strike Eagle 1 being a really big deal. 
you know, there was it was one of the biggest uh, flight simulators of its day. Uh, and I remember it like gunship. I mean, it was like up on that echelon. And so I remember a whole lot about F-15 Strike Eagle, the first one. Uh, and I had played that one. Uh, it, it didn't have a release on the Amiga. But F-15 Strike Eagle 2, I, I had never tried. So this was really my first go around with this one. Um, so this game <laughs> starts off. Uh, with kind of a uh, kind of a neat opening, we sort of played it there. It may, it does the noise. It's got the uh, sort of three D rendered logo that rolls over. But when you get into the game proper, uh, it asks you for your control, uh, uh, what you're going to use to control the game. And I thought this was a sort of interesting boat because right out of the gate, you can use your mouse, you can use the keyboard, you can use your joystick, or you'll, uh, you have the ability to use an analog stick. We don't see mm -hmm. that every day, do we? Buddy? No, absolutely not. So I'll give them credit for that, uh, having that as an option. In fact, how do you use an analog stick with the Amiga? They had analog sticks for them. I did not have one, and so I could not tell you, if I'm honest, mm. uh, of what the uh, uh, I you know I don't know to be honest with you. I mean, I assume you could use the same port uh, because I mean, because the you know you're using the mouse on there, so I'm assuming it's something that, uh, it's uh, you could use the same port as you do. Okay. you know, okay. but uh, I, I, don't I don't think know. it was a serial thing or a parallel thing or anything. So once you start the game proper, I mean, there's really no setup here. Uh, you will start by uh, you'll first select uh, your uh, the the level that you want to play. It gives you four options for the level you want to play. You know, from basic to you know super advanced. There's also a demo mode where you can just watch the Amiga play the game. Did you try that out at all? I I did not do the yeah. Demo I, well, I, I I didn't try it, but I did watch a guy in a video who did it. So it just, it just it plane flies around, does its thing. Then it lets you choose from six different scenarios, everything from Libya to Vietnam, Central Europe, uh, uh, some uh, some interesting uh, interesting scenarios, I guess. I noticed that when I played the scenarios, like I got real sick of the desert scenarios, and so I tried the you know non-deserty ones, and it really didn't make much of a difference <laughs> in the way it looked, mm -hmm. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I played this on Brain Dead Idiot. I'm assuming you probably did too, right? No, I played this. I well, I first played it on Brain Dead Idiot. Yeah, and even for me, that was too. That was that was that was way too kitty. So, so I bumped it up one. So tell us the what is the difference as you went up? I, I know you had to take off and land, obviously. In the yeah, and the the enemies, from what I can tell, the enemies are more aggressive mm -hmm. in the higher levels. So this game does not reinvent the wheel. All right. Uh, what it does, it gives you a scenario. When you start the mission, it'll say, "Okay, here is your, um, here is your goal. Here is maybe a secondary goal or a tertiary goal, and then here's the ending part. And then, it, and then from there on, you you use your, uh, well, you're supposed to use basically waypoints to go to where you want to go in the game. And while you're going to where you want to go, you need to fend off anyone that comes after you." You try to take out your targets, and then you try to land this sucker. Um, the cockpit on this thing, and thank, luckily, in fact, we just mentioned, I think it was Level Lord that provided us with the key covering keyboard command lineup, because without that thing, you'd have a rough time. Uh, I don't think uh, there are any commands or anything that this thing does that we haven't seen in any other flight simulator off the top of my head. Can, can you think of anything, Boat? I mean, it looked like standard fare to me. You had... 
throttle up, throttle down, landing gear up and down, shaft, uh, flak, uh, uh, you could afterburner, you could switch between four different weapons, you could toggle the view of the airplane, pretty much the standard stuff. Did you see anything in there that you thought was unique? No, no. Okay. Everything, uh, everything is pretty much like you'd expect it to be. Right, right. Now, uh, as you go into combat... At least now this, and you told me you really thought the uh, the the uh, the training missions are real simple. I mean, I will admit that when you took when you got shot in these, you did a little. It does little to no damage, which that does make it simple. But uh, it seems like you're almost instantly in the thick of it, and it seems like you're in the thick of it the whole time. Like you've got you've got in, in the first scenario I played, which was the Libyan scenario. I had planes on me from the time I started the game until. The time I ended the game, they were all over me. And, and every, occasionally the game will stop what it's doing to show you a cutscene of another plane taking off, which I thought was kind of neat. That is something that I guess that's something you don't see in every game boat. That little well, if you if you yeah, if you turn on the director mode, actually, that is something that's different about this game. This game features a director mode. OK, so the director mode, actually, what it what it does is it takes you out of the plane and it shows you all of these different viewpoints. It shows you when planes are taking off. It follows your missile when you shoot your missile. Yeah. It moves the thing around. And you don't get that in every single game. Yeah. So, yeah, that is one thing that this game does differently. The missile thing, I've seen that before, but it's still it's always good for a LARP to, uh, to, to you know, turn that thing on and watch it go. So I did, I did do that a couple of times. Now, the, I want to talk about, I hate to get into this right away, but, I mean, I got to. Uh, let's talk about the heads-up displays and the and the monitors in your uh, F-15 Strike Eagle. What I like in one of these games is to like be able to to see where my waypoint is on the map, to 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 uh, check it off, you know, target it, set my waypoint, and then know the distance that how far away I am from it. So I guess I had a lot of trouble doing that in this game. I also had trouble. I mean, once you could target something, you could actually get a distance from it. But in terms of your waypoints, it just seemed like I would drive in my in my jet forever to get to these things. Not on every mission, but the first mission, right off the top, you know, right out the gate, it seemed like you had to go forever before you got to these things. And I kept thinking to myself, by going the wrong way, there's a big yellow arrow on the screen. So I can't imagine that i mean not being the way to go which it was it was telling you the way to go but man it took me forever to get there and then once you get to the target i had a heck of a time targeting the target uh get no like knowing like what uh what altitude should i go to stuff like that did you is it just me bo did you have any of these issues yeah i think it's just you uh i I'll, didn't i didn't have well okay i will say this it does take a long time for you get to for you to get to your target. Right. I think that's the most semi part of this quote unquote flight sim, is that you do have to drive or fly forever, forever, and there's no way to speed up the time. We played another flight sim. Yeah. What was that? We, was that Nights of the Sky? We had to, it was. I remember that. We took yeah. We had some it. other one we played, and they had a basically it was just like a time speed up button, and that one could come back and screw you though, because if you didn't slow down time when you were getting attacked, you'd be dead right away. Yeah. So there's no easy way to do that. If the if you're trying to make things at least quasi realistic and taking off from what would be a realistic dif- distance, because obviously your battleship isn't going to be parked within missile missile range of the land of the enemy territory. So, um, but in terms of being able to target stuff, being able to shoot at stuff, 
all of the targets that I was shooting at were ground based. Yeah. And all you have to do is like, and again, thank you to level Lord for printing or for providing us that keyboard layout. All you do is you hit the G key to arm your ground missile. And then you watch the little window in the right that tells you, yep, you're locked on. And then you hit the enter key and it blows up and it goes bullseye. Yeah. And then you circle around and you do the next thing. Now, I will say that this game, the, the biggest problem I have with this game is you need to have something that is sort of in between, like following the waypoint is, it makes it almost too easy. Like, because you're, you're not really looking at anything else other than that big yellow arrow. Yeah. You have a, uh, you have a radar, like a long, medium and short range radar that you can toggle between on the left side of the screen. But all it shows you are squares of different colors. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's not useful. It's not it useful. It looks yeah. like your pilot's like playing a game of time pilot in the in the game. Like yeah. it's just, you see different colored ships coming and going. And you're right. You're dead set on the, the target you're after. And so, and the arrow points you in the direction, but it's not, I wouldn't call even that arrow super precise. I had trouble. I really did have trouble finding my targets like i would be in the general vicinity of the target you know what i mean like i'm well, like hundreds of the, miles away well like i said there if you're targeting what you have to do oh and level lord says you do have time acceleration so i missed that that was my bad i guess alt a gives you time acceleration so i guess you could use that i would have so, been sorry. afraid to use it because there's so many there were so many right. bad guys you're constantly you're constantly being shot at but anyway um what you have to do is you have to, you know, you fly, you're flying towards the target and you're constantly spamming the G key or you're, I'm sorry, you're constantly spamming the, the T key, key yeah. to get your target to lock on. That's what and I then did. As, yeah. And then as soon as you do that, then you can lock on. Like I said, it's, it's a very, to call this a simulation, I'm pretty sure that doing this is a lot more difficult than that. <laughs> You know, but it's also not very fun either. No, it's like it's it's most of the time I'm all for dumbing stuff down, especially at the early levels. But this game, they've 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 sort of I think, you know, Sid Meier is famous for taking more kind of heavy simulation genre style games and making them more palatable for your everyday player. Yeah, you can see that in Civilization. You can see that in Pirates. Um, and uh, and so. I think he was trying to do the same thing with the flight sim, but he made it too. I mean, it's just, you literally have to do, and, and it's, there's, there's not a lot of variety in these missions. I played the first three and they were all, you blow up your primary target, you blow up your secondary target, you return to the friendly air base. And now maybe in the later levels that I didn't get to, maybe there's more to it than that. I played but, the European campaign. I think it's where the la later levels. Okay. It, it, so what were the, what were the, well, what I were the objectives I like there? It. it was the same, exactly what you said. Okay. The only thing I couldn't do was land. I, I crashed when I tried to land, but otherwise. Well, and that brings me to the, to the, the next bit of this, like you can fly without the autopilot or you can fly with the autopilot and it doesn't really matter. Because all you're doing is flying towards the waypoint. I mean, that's literally all you're doing is flying towards the waypoint. The autopilot helps you get to and maintain altitude. But the, the really the, the only the, the biggest challenge in this game is landing. Now, 
Uh, you said that you had problems with landing with autopilot. I well, did I had, not. I had problems landing with and without autopilot. One oh, yeah, time, I, autopilot I, just put me right in the dirt. I was yeah, like, I, I could not land without autopilot. But I'm glad that they have that on there because you know normally landing is the most frustrating part of of any of these types of games. And some people like that frustration, but I don't because what that means is that you've essentially wasted the last 15 minutes of your time. Um, and so, and now you know if I would have used acceleration and got to the objectives quicker and then spent more time on landing maybe i would have spent you know more time trying to get to grips with the with the manual landing but since i didn't know about the time acceleration you're right it just takes you so long to accomplish these missions i day i died way more from running out of fuel yes um because i couldn't target you know like sometimes you you'd, you'd come up on a target and you just couldn't target it, and then you'd have to circle, circle back around. around again. Yeah, yeah. or also and circling. I died one time circling the landing pad, trying mm -hmm. to get on that. <laughs> that was frustrating, too. I, I also ran out of fuel a lot. Uh, uh, but for the most part, everything you said, I'm. it's funny, because I was, I was like, man, Boat's just going to laugh at me for being dumb. But I had the same same problems. Am I going the right way? Why is this taking so long? How do I get these guys off? And then when I get there, hitting the T key over and over, I did all that stuff. Uh, you know, and when I said I played on the sucker level, I really wasn't too worried about the other guys shooting me and killing me so I could do it. Uh, but... Uh, I thought to myself, if they made this game, that I would, I would have done is I would have gotten, I would have jettisoned a lot of the simulation part of this. And with this setup, you probably could have made a really cool, more like an arcadey, like a G lock type game. It would have been a lot more fun than this. I mean, that you're this thing's caught somewhere in the middle, and that's where you don't want to be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I will say that this game does a lot of cool things. Um, you know, the graphics are definitely nothing to write home about. Uh, they were I standard, I would say, for this time period. Yeah. They're not horrible, but they're not, you know, out of this world. Uh, I do like the juxtaposition of the hand-drawn pixel art um, in some of the cockpit views with the 3D rendered view, especially impressive. You've got this view. This is a very unrealistic view because it's sort of like if you were like sitting, if you're like a very small mouse, and you're sitting on the lap of the pilot looking at the throttle arm and you're kind of looking over the instrument cluster on the side and you're looking out the window. Yeah, That viewpoint is cool because you're seeing this pixel art and your hand looks awesome, you know, handing. And then you look out the window and you see these graphics at a, at a sort of skewed, like si almost more of a side on viewpoint. Yeah. And it's kind of neat. Um, you know, of course, you've got all of your normal views, which are outside the cockpit. And one of the things that you can do, one of the things that I did while you're waiting for this, you know, interminable time to get to the objective is you go out, you know, you look at all your different viewpoints, you fly around, you do barrel rolls and stuff while you're looking at your plane from the outside. And that's cool, you know. Um, but like you said, there really isn't anything in this game except with the exception. Oh, actually, here's another cool thing. You constantly get information on in this game. It's like you have like a ticker uh, that is throwing up uh, facts about your world as you move through this thing. So like whenever a plane takes off from somewhere, you see that, uh, you know, whenever you destroy something, it tells you exactly what you destroyed. I thought that was cool, too. That kind of kept me engaged and it made me feel like I was part of this world that was alive. It wasn't just, you know, me and everything else was sort of static. Um, and like I said, the director mode is really cool, too. So if you're going to play this game, you should definitely 
come at it more, I think, from almost like an arcade simulation type game or an arcade, uh, you know, type game. The sim stuff in this game is pretty light. Um, but uh, there are games that will probably give you a better time, whether you like you said, this game is caught in the middle and it's not a good place to be. I, I've read also that this if you have an accelerated Amiga, this thing goes bananas. So that's something to take an eye, to keep an eye on. Uh, but with all that said, I mean, listen, if you want a light, some light fare, if you're a simulation fan, like this is on my level. Like I yeah, can play me too. this. Me too. So it's not like I felt overwhelmed. And once I got, once I t took a look at the keyboard, uh, the mapping for all the keys, I felt pretty good about controlling the thing. But I did get frustrated with the targeting. I don't like the maps. You, you know, the the radar has three different settings, but I don't like the radar at all. I don't like the information you get. I don't. It's. I just didn't think I got. I didn't think it worked that well. I don't also don't, I don't like the waypoint arrow even. It just looks dopey to me. I don't yeah. I didn't like it. Uh so I think that was a big mistake. I did like the hand drawn. I didn't use the other angles that much. The director mode's kind of cool, but on the flip side, it's kind of depressing to see MIG after MIG scrambling to come kill you. These SAM sites shooting missiles all over the place. You're like, well, I'm screwed. Uh, I thought the landing was tough, but that's some of those things. That's one of those things you could probably get better at if you play it, you know, for a while. Uh, uh, you know, this would have been a lot more fun to fight a guy, which you, there's no option for that. So you're not fighting, you, there's no two player, there's no, you know, to connect the two Amigas up or any of that stuff that's out. Uh, so, you know, eh, it's okay. Uh, this did get a, a bunch of ports. And so just for fun, I thought we would have a look uh, at our old, uh, pal, the, uh, ever popular, uh, Atari ST, and the ST, uh, ha m version looks very similar to the Amiga version uh, overall, if I could actually get some video to come up on here, the uh, uh, I thought they looked close enough to where I figured that you know because the ST has that uh, has that rep of being able to play uh, that stuff better, you know. But I, you know, what do you think? Did did you have a look at the ST version at all? Does it look like it runs? I, I'm just than looking you? at it now. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it looks totally comparable. So yeah, the uh, I, 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 I'm like you. The Amiga version didn't exactly run at silky smooth, uh, yeah. you know. But it was it was okay. I mean, it, it was a game of its time. I can and, you know, uh, I was reading on the Discord, people were having trouble getting this to run on faster Amigas. Yeah. So this isn't necessarily a game that the faster Amiga you have, the better it's going to run. Yeah. I can already tell you that I like Atari ST's Arrow better. Yeah. I can tell you that right now just from looking at that. But, I mean, I'd say it's probably fairly comparable uh, if you uh, have an ST. And, again, this got poured into a bunch of different stuff, so you could probably find something you could play it on. I looked at some reviews on this boat. Uh, uh, just to, and there were hundreds of them. I'm just gonna go over a few of the big heavy hitters. Uh, first of all, Lemon Amiga gave this a 7.66 uh, out of 10. Amiga actually gave this a 75. Uh, I, I read some of these, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, Amiga Format gave this a 90. Uh, Amiga Joker gave it an 89. Amiga Powered 87. CU Amiga a 93. And the one gave this an 89. Total cumulative score, according to Lemon, 87. Which, that sounds about right. I, I probably wouldn't go that high, if I'm honest. I think this is a, you know, at some point in the lower 80s for me. Uh, just because it's, you know, I didn't, it, these things never appeal to me all that much. But this yeah, one I mean, was it, pretty the, basic. It, it's, it's, this is a tough one for me to rate, to give a score to. Because, 
we play these types of games so infrequently. Yeah. I, well, not super infrequently. I mean, the last one that we did was on sep- in September, so it hasn't been that long. But I never remember what year everything comes out. And uh, and so but I, I really feel like all of the Amiga flight simulators, they all kind of look like this. Yeah. You well, know? Yeah. I mean, you're right. And but I accept how they look. But part of the fun, for, like even the missions on this, if you were going to say like, hey, what are the six generic missions you're going to pull up? I mean, there's nothing. I mean, how about really thinking outside the box? here? Right. And remember the game that we played not long ago? I think it was Thunderhawk, but it might have been something else. But it gave you that, like, you went into the briefing room. Yeah, that Remember was that? Cool. And they yeah. showed the movie. Like, you yeah. get none of that in this game. Yeah, Microprose yeah. really kind of cheaped you out get, on the accoutrement. You get some screens where you get awards or when you die. But it's not like they're not cool animated screens. And they like also don't show your plane crashing in this game. Yeah, it just says you're dead. And it's yeah. all, Sometimes it's very stirring. It's like, what just happened? You're like, oh, right. I got killed. Uh, so, yeah, there's it's the I would say it's sort of no frills. Uh, but I mean, if you're if you're looking for some simple fun and just to, you've got maybe an hour to kill, this is one you could pick up and play. I'd say pretty pretty easily. Did we get any uh, Discord action on this one, Boat? Yeah, we did. Uh, give me a second just to uh, find that real quick. Okay, here we go. Uh, we got one review this week, and it is from Level Lord. Level Lord says Level Lord's all over the place on this. Yeah, episode. no kidding. This is not a standard combat flight sim, but rather an arcade combat sim. I understand why they made it this way, and it was a nice way to introduce the beautiful world of flight simulators to new players. I've completed Libya, Persian Gulf, and Vietnam on pilot level, but did not really enjoy it too much. The air combat is decent, while the lack of more missions is a missed opportunity here. Graphics are normal for the era, and the sound effects should be better. Missions feel the same. Go hit the primary and secondary target and get back home. Kill whatever's in your way there and back. I found annoying uh, the first uh, the first CRT, which should reflect your map, didn't track me. In the second screen, I had no idea who the bogeys were, and the tracking of the enemy was yes, pathetic. Yes, he's right there. I killed more of my friendly aircraft most of the time than the enemy, since I couldn't determine if the MiG-15 was a friend or a foe. Also, there was no distance to the primary and secondary target, just general direction where the target is. Eventually, I would be able to target it, hitting the T a bazillion times. Does this sound familiar, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, While like approaching. <laughs> Landing is tricky. Runaway always appears too short, and lack of proper flaps made it hard to do it. It's even worse with the aircraft carrier, which I dislike. Last thing I can remember is that you can't drop your landing gear when you want, but when the game thinks you're close to the strip. Why? All in all, solid six just for the missed opportunities. Oh, yes. Autopilot to help you land is not to be trusted. Be warned. <laughs> it's like, I, I think I wrote that without yeah. knowing. It's everything <laughs> I mentioned. He, and he mentions just stuff I forgot about. The, 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 especially on the radar. You have no idea who are good guys and bad guys. Right. And so <laughs> I've had the exact same problem. He had the same problem with distance. He had the same problem with targeting. He had the same problem with landing. Good. If Level Lord, who I know is a genius with these games, had trouble with it, I feel far less stupid than I did before I started this review because I was afraid you'd come in here and just laugh at me for being dumb. Um, lastly, just to close the book on this, I looked this up on the eBay boat. Uh, believe it or not, these are available uh, even stateside, uh, ranging from goofy uh Completing box uh, prices from like somewhere like 17, 18 bucks, all the way up to some guy asking 150 bucks mm. uh, for them boat. So they're going for they're going for, I'd say they're priced for what they deserve to be priced somewhere below 20 bucks. You can probably pick this up if you wanted to. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst idea, you know. Uh, uh, I don't think it's hideous, but you know, and it, it's a shame it doesn't run better on faster machines because that actually would have helped quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. 
All right. Well, it's time, Aaron, to move on to what's been going on in the Amigos wider community. What's been going on on our multiple YouTube channels, Aaron? Our multiple. <laughs> it makes it sound so important when you say it that way. <laughs> uh, we've had a, we've had a lot of releases uh, this week. Uh, let's start off with myself and the Brent over at ARG Presents uh, with the ever popular. Uh, we played Band from YouTube, but Band. From YouTube, it was banned. Both it was, yeah. This was your category that we that we. So th- this, this week, week, you're like, I don't know what boat was talking about it's when he, and then you went on for 15 minutes to explain exactly what I was talking about. Well, I mean, it was hard to. The thing is, I understood that we were banned from YouTube, but I didn't understand how we were going to get games out of that. But and luckily, I gave you several suggestions for games, none of which you played. We played them already, so there you go. You so, have not played AVG in boxing. How would that? We didn't get banned for that, by the way. So well, anyway, boat. This luckily for boat, he's acting like he had a cunning plan. But luckily, this actually came up almost exactly the anniversary of when we did get banned. Did you know that? I planned that. Yeah, planning it for yeah, years. How did you do that? How'd you get the wheel to come up exactly? Listen, right? I got ways. I'm a genius. So we actually talk about the time that our channel, thanks to myself and the Brent, got banned from streaming live on YouTube. That was good times. <laughs> I felt real good. That was a lot of eating done that week. That's for sure. What is uh, that picture with you sit, with, sitting next to uh, the face of the Brent? That's, that's, I filmed, this is a little video. Oh, that I was filmed. YouTube or YouTube jail. That's I YouTube that jail. Video. I filmed yeah. this to explain to people that we were moving the Twitch and I right. dug this up out of the archive. Look, and, how, look how, look how great you look with your Bill and Ted shirt on. Yeah, I know. You noticed the hilarity because that's why we got yeah. banned. But I go, this, we used the beginning of the show here to talk about why we got banned, what we did about it, uh, and what could be done. And so if you're interested in, in understanding what happens when you try to deal with YouTube, uh, you might get a kick out of that. And then we, we both were like, well, what games we should play? Well, let's play things that are real controversial. And so I was like, okay, so Brent picked it. One of my all-time favorite games, Carmageddon. Oh, man, I love this game so much. It's so much fun. All the sequels were good. Uh, uh, Carmageddon TDR, Carmageddon the second Carmageddon was great. I loved all these. And then I picked, because I had to play it, Boat, because I think the people demanded it. I played Samantha Fox, strip poker, brother. She looks like Patsy from Abfab. I here. told Brent that she looked like she was auditioning for the part of the Invisible Man. But <laughs> that's my guess. But yes, Samantha Fox and all of her digitized glory on the C64. Uh, and we had a good time with this. It's funny, I told Brent on the show, because Brent was like, we can't play any porn games. I'm like, listen, I don't think it's that bad. And I was right. Because there's like there's like five seconds of digitized nudity at the very end. I just clipped it off. That was it. I didn't even know anything. So, yeah. <laughs> People that bought this were probably disappointed with the lack of naked Samantha Fox. But I also get to talk about who Samantha Fox is for about 15 minutes, which is lots of fun for me. Because Brent never heard of her. So, there you go. That's what we did on ARG this week. If that's your cup of tea. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that one, uh, Boatster. Um, we also released this week, Boat, uh, Nighttime. It's Nighttime's the right time uh, to release this. Tell us about this uh, bad boy. So this is another one of those uh, wacky Spectrum games, of which there really is no analog uh, <laughs> on the on the American side. No. Um, we didn't have games like this. No. Uh, this is a, uh, a platforming adventure game uh, with a, uh, a windowed UI. So it's about as fun as it sounds, folks. This was a, this was a, I mean, the UI was impressive, actually. I think that was the UI was the best part. part of the game. Unfortunately, we also had to play the game. Well, I mean, it was one of those games, 
it, that's one of those games. You know, it's 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 literally foreign to us. And for if I was a kid back in the '80s and I spent, you know, five or six bucks, I got to take this home and play it for like th- a thousand hours. I'd probably have loved it. I can I can understand why people love it. I mean, it is widely loved too. So that so there that's that. Plus, if you if you tune in, you can see me and Bo. We look like a team. Yeah, look at that we've both got our Amiga. Ireland shirts on. I just noticed that. So that's that's uh, I almost called it crime time. That is nighttime. Uh, <laughs> over on the uh, Amigo Street Teachers, we had a ton of stuff come up this week. My gosh, so so much stuff. Let's talk about. I don't think I mentioned this uh, boat. Well, let's talk. We'll start at the beginning here. Uh, last week I did a live stream for the first time in a while. It was the old uh, Friday Night Disaster stream boat. And I played myself some uh, Amiga games, and I worked my way up on Lemon's Hot 100 action games. I started around around 100 and just picked out games I hadn't played or didn't play much and worked my way through them. And it turns out the bottom rung of uh, Amiga games on Lemon, actually, there's some pretty decent stuff in yeah, there, Boat. Yeah, I was very surprised with the quality of a lot of these games. Yeah, I was, I was, I was real pleased. And some of the stuff that I've avoided playing, like The Plague, in fact, this, that, right the, the, this version of Boulder Dash that you're playing em- right there, em- I can't remember. Mine, yeah, the name of it. that's seriously the best version of Boulder Dash I've ever seen. Well, so. I never liked Boulder Dash. But Me this neither, but this one's fun. good. I like yeah. the fact that you can kind of juke your way out of trouble. Right, right. You know, so that was kind of fun. So if you're interested, in, and it's, I'll tell you, this is a good hour, and it's almost two hours of hot, hot, incredibly hot Amiga action. A lot of stuff you probably haven't seen before, because I was trying to, you know, when you've done as much Amiga games as we have, I want to see some stuff that we haven't tried so we can get some ideas and stuff, you know. And I got a bunch of ideas for games. There was a game in here uh, called uh, Deliverance that I've never played before. And may, I mean, the name doesn't do any favors, but uh, but it's uh, like a it's like a it's like a god. It's like super gods, yeah, yeah. So it looked it was pretty cool. So. Anyway, that's your boy here. For I also couple. enjoyed all of the classic Chop Suey Kung Fu films that were playing in the corner. Oh of the yeah, screen. I also put demos in there too. Hey, a little something just to watch while if you don't like what I'm playing. You know, uh, just almost a week ago we did this uh, beauty boat. It's the Taze Valley Classic Computer Club uh, from la- just this past Saturday. Uh, myself, boat, the Brent, Matt, uh, John, uh, Terry, K- Terry was there. Pat Ch- Chad. Chad was there. And we actually actually did computer stuff. Yeah. Even Boat did lots of computer stuff. Tell them what we did, Boat. This was the most computer-centric computer club of all time. Yeah. Um, we got off to a, 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 a somewhat slow start uh, because I was expecting you to roll in with the Apple II GS, and I didn't prepare anything else, which is a failure on my part. And the funny um, thing is you had tons of stuff prepared because we did it all. <laughs> and so, uh, but uh, once you arrived with the Apple II GS, we kicked things off with that. Then John Marshall showed off his Mister uh, uh, Pi Roland MIDI. What's it? What's it called? It's, some, MT- it's that gimmick that the MTP or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. Plays MIDI so you, stuff. You can listen to um, you Monkey know Roland based soundtrack Roland, games Roland. with your Mister and yeah. this Pi based device. People love those um, things. But we fired up the uh, Vic, the Vic Twenty. Uh, the Vic needs the Vic needs some work. Yeah. Uh, but we 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 did get some action out of it. Um we spent a lot of time with the Apple II GS. The GS also is in well, the GS you you successfully recapped that beast. Yeah. It runs like a top now. Now we just gotta figure out 
uh, how to uh, get more games to work through the Compact Flash interface. Yeah, but that I was pleased. The recapping yeah. is complete. By the way, MT32. Thank you, MT32. Yeah, that's Listen, it. you can listen to all your Lucasfilms weird, creepy, mall Oregon music that everybody goes crazy over. I'm like, <laughs> we got an Amiga here. Why is everybody going nuts over this? Are the colors Mall Oregon music is the best descriptor of that I've ever remember, heard. Remember, you get a, there's always that dude yeah. out front of Pied Piper. Yeah. <laughs> like, people love that. I'm like, why? Why are we spending extra money to get that? That is this awesome. You need to copyright sound? that. <laughs> Man, it's been a long time since that's existed. Both <laughs> the, the organ guy and Pied Piper at the mall. You know, we went through a lot of these ST games, but yeah, so then we got out the ST. Yeah, and the, your, uh, your ST's so got the some ST, problems. Yeah, so the ST uh, came out thanks to the OSSC, uh, because that thing was flipping through resolutions like nobody's business. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, uh, then, so this was a, uh, you know, I, I purchased this thing from, um, from Josh from 48k Ram yeah and, uh, and then kit, uh, discord's own kit, uh, sent me a whole bunch of ST discs. And so, uh, we played through uh, a bunch of different ST games. Would you say that the trivial pursuit game was the winner out of that batch? Well, no, uh, no, I don't think that, I really, there was no clear winner as far as I could tell. We did play the game. We're going to be covered on, on, on the Atari ST show this week briefly yeah. as much as yeah. you could. Given so the, the ST, uh, unfortunately, the ST has a joystick issue. Yeah. Much like all of my retro computers, they all yeah. seem to have issues of one kind or another. Yeah, um, but next Boat Fest, I'm going to bring that and the Amiga 600 uh, over and hopefully get some work done on those. You, so, know, what, you uh, know what you should do with the ST? It just occurred to me. You should, you should send it over to Chris Edwards and see if he explodes when he opens the box <laughs> i have a feeling i wouldn't be getting it back it would enter the old circular file if you know what i'm saying oh <laughs> yeah i got gotcha. you that was a that was a fun time after the initial incredible anger that i felt um <laughs> so this was speaking of something wacky i put this up boat you know on halloween we did a little thing called conversation with dark side but we followed that up the teen speaker regulars hosted a one-night vampire the masquerade role role-playing game complete yes. one night adventure and this is the, the video from that uh, it was myself david z texas foosballer and uh pat uh, aka spartan who's running the game look at all these incredibly detailed uh, i've got to say you know uh your your uh pat is what you call an expert when it comes to the tabletop simulator yeah i've never seen anything like this before in my life yeah you could zoom right in uh, uh, zoom right into it. It was a very clever game, too. And for Pat, it was very light on the combat. I was stunned. He was very clever. I think he held help with like a professional writer or something. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Now, I think he told if me you want to give us, just give us like the 10 second um, uh, hook to get us to watch this thing. What was the plot? Well, the plot is nothing is as it seems, Boat. Mm. I mean, it, it starts off, it's whether it's like, like a Twilight Zone or something. Mm -hmm. It starts off, you don't know what's happening. And at the end, it's all revealed in this mm. climactic ending. And plus, it ended at the exact point where I started to get tired. So it worked, no, <laughs> that's, it worked that's out, always the best. It worked out great. So we may start putting some of these uh, TSI RPG things up on the stream team if people dig them. Uh, so uh, they're fun. Hey, this one's done okay for this for, for that channel. Uh, listen here, we've got uh, a few more things here. I want to talk about Happy Coding has his new video out. Now I haven't got to flip through this one yet. I just, this one po I posted it uh, a month as I was putting up a bunch of other stuff here. Of course, this is our boy Happy. I think Happy's well, he was in the chat here. Uh, what is Happy Coding's home cooking? Happy Coding is a, uh, a very popular and uh, well-respected coder 
on the ZX Spectrum. He sits down. He takes time out of his valuable schedule mode to teach you, lowly schmo, some of his incredible techniques on programming with the uh, ZX Spectrum. And this is an ongoing series that he's running. I recommend it. It's Happy uh, Happy Cutting's Home Cooking. You can go back and look at these. They're dated, and you can just watch the whole thing. So even if you're coming late, you know, get your get your program on, man. That's what you should do. Um, now, this was nice. You know, our, our buddy Flack was a little bit under the weather uh, boat, uh, but he came back roaring back with a vengeance. Yeah, I did. He's currently on some sort of a wild road trip. Oh, man. He always gets out there. And this time, it, it, once he's off his feet for a few seconds, he jumps up. He does a springboard up, you know, like <laughs> in no hands. He's like, I'm ready. And he just takes off. Uh, this was one where uh, he actually plays a game that we've played on the show. It's, it, he plays a bunch of different mini golf games, including Zany Golf. Bo, you remember Zany Golf? Yeah, man. I think we both buried Zany Golf. Not deep, so good. Deep beneath the planet. But uh, he liked it. He had a good time playing it on DOS and uh, played a few holes of that. Then he came out and found Fuzzy's Golf. You ever play old Fuzzy Boat? No, I, hadn't I don't either. think so. Fuzzy's Golf takes place like in space or something. Okay. It's real weird. It's got those classic, like, cheap guy DOS graphics that you mm-hmm. no one really likes, but it's yeah. got them. It does have a lot of charm. Uh, uh, it's not a very good game, but there's charm. But, of course, <laughs> every every time's a good time when the Flaxers getting involved. So, good stuff. Good to see Flax back in the game uh, I, and uh, having a good time. Uh, and then lastly, Boat, and this is uh, actually a sort of a sad a f- sad farewell for the year, because I think that uh, 48K is uh, hanging it up till the new year. But this is the triumphant finale, the season finale for 48K's uh, stream, this streaming season, as he actually officially has repaired the BBC Master 128. He figured it out all by himself. He ordered the replacement parts, and on this show, he actually sits down and tinkers with it, including some hardware additional items that he throws in their boat. Pretty fun. I like watching 48K stuff, uh, and it was so happy for me to see him uh, finish putting that thing together. I'd like to have something that's the four, the BBC Master. I like the sound of that boat. Mm-hmm. We we need us a BBC Master. You know, we're, we're only missing a couple computers from really yeah. having everything at this point. Yeah. And the BBC Micro is uh, pretty close to the top everything. of that list. Where's my car, Marty, Boat? I don't see that thing sitting around. <laughs> that's all we got, Boat. Uh, uh, that's all we got, only 50 things. So if you're bored, my God, go watch some of the hundreds of things that we've got up here. <laughs> all right, Aaron. What do we got coming up next week on Amigos? Are you excited? I'm I can't remember. Excited. I can't remember what it is. I hope I put something in here. Let's find out. Oh, man. Oh, what a title. What a name, Pegasus. You know, the Pegasus was riding high on the court of public opinion back in the 80s and the early 90s, but it's since fallen. You never see kids drawing Pegasuses on their trappers anymore. Just Pegasus is what happened to the Pegasus? It's really simple. Like, kids don't have imaginations anymore. The second Mm. Jurassic Park came out, they're like, hey, kids, remember those dinosaurs used to draw? Yeah, here they are. It's 10 times better than you could draw it, geek. That's why no one draws a Pegasus, man. Once Clash of the Titans came out, no one could do it better than that. <laughs> Put it to bed. I don't know what this game is, but that's a album cover level box art they've got on that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I, I can't wait to play. I don't know what this is. What What is next week? Is it Shooter Week or something? What is it? Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with Shooter. And you're, if you're on a Pegasus and you're shooting stuff, I'm in. <laughs> All right. 
Guys, thank you as always for listening. Uh, remember, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. We'd love to have you join us and uh, join us on Discord. Um, we leave you now with the stirring love theme from F-15 Strike Eagle 2, as well as the list of all of our patrons and Twitch supporters. We will see you next time. Until then, adios. adios.